Sunday Stories is a podcast presentation of Christ Episcopal Church North Hills in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hello, welcome to Sunday Stories. My name is Deacon Lorena and I love to share good stories with you. It can be so hard to wait for things especially for things that are important to us, like a party or a special occasion. It is hard to be patient and to wait until after school to be able to play with a good friend. Did you know that it takes practice to be able to wait? Yes. We must practice how to wait, just like we must practice baseball or soccer or the piano. It takes hours and hours and hours of practice. When we wait... We must be patient. When we wait, we must pay attention. Now that is difficult to do. Because I don't know about you, but when I have to wait for something or someone, I get impatient and look for ways to occupy my time. So I look at my phone or I watch a show on TV to take my mind off the fact that it is taking so long. But then I forget what I am waiting for and miss the whole point of being watchful and alert. There are times when waiting is harder than usual. The other day, there was a storm and all the electricity went out in our house. It was completely dark. It was dinner time and we were hungry. But with no electricity, we could not cook a meal. So we had to wait in the dark, with our stomachs rumbling hungrily. We watched, we waited with candles lit, ready for the power to come back on. In today's gospel from St. Mark, the disciples asked Jesus, when will God rescue everyone from all the suffering on earth? And Jesus says, no one knows when exactly it will be, but promises that God will come. So then the disciples asked Jesus if there will be signs to watch for, and Jesus says, yes, there will be signs. So be patient, watch, and wait. In today's Sunday story, a little girl watches as her father prepares a delicious dinner and waits for her mother to come home from work. She is very hungry and asks her father for something to eat while she waits. No, he says, you must wait for the food to be ready. Then he tells her about his childhood and a much longer and hungrier wait for his own father to bring food home. Let's listen to today's Sunday story. The Butter Man by Elizabeth Alulu and Ali Alulu. The Butter Man. Every Saturday evening, my Baba makes a big plate of couscous for our family to eat for dinner. On Saturdays, my Mama is always at work, so I stay in the kitchen while Baba is getting the couscous ready. Baba spends a very long time preparing the couscous. He uses a special pot that he bought all the way from Morocco in his suitcase. 
It's a big round pot with two parts. The bottom part is deep and wide. That's where he puts the meat and vegetables and spices. The top part is round and shallow and has holes in it. That is where he puts the couscous. But the food cooks very slowly. As our house fills up with the fragrant special Saturday night smell, I can feel my tummy rumbling as I get hungrier and hungrier. But I don't bother asking Baba for a snack. He wants me to save my appetite. One day when I was very hungry, I kept hanging around the kitchen, asking my Baba for something to eat. No, he said. You must wait for the couscous to be ready. But I'm starving, I said. Baba looked at me for a long minute, as if he were looking at me, but looking past me at the same time. That is the look he gets when he is thinking about Tomazert. That's what Baba calls the place he comes from far away in Morocco. He didn't stop what he was doing. He kept right on working on the couscous, dumping the grains into the bowl, sprinkling them with water and fluffing them with his fingers. Then Baba put the grains of couscous back into the pot to steam some more. And he took me on his knee. He said, Nora, let me tell you the story of the butter man. When I was a little boy, about your age, there was a time when my family didn't have much to eat. It hadn't rained in Tamazirt for a long time, and that meant the crops didn't grow. Every year in the spring, your Bahalu harvested wheat, then took it to the threshing ground to thresh it, then to the miller to grind it into flour. Your Bahalu would use that flour to make the grains of couscous, rolling it out in a flat basket with the palms of her hands. She also used the flour to make flat loaves of bread that cooked on a smooth clay pot over the fire in our kitchen. But that spring the wheat didn't grow thick and green. It was little and stunted and brown. That year the bags that came from the miller were not full, and there weren't many of them. After a while, your Mahalu started to make the plates of couscous smaller and the loaves of bread smaller, too. Your Mahalu used to make butter for us, and I loved the way that after I dipped my bread into it, it made a slippery feeling on the roof of my mouth. Then one day my father led our cow off to the souk to be sold. After the cow was gone, there was no more butter. A few weeks after the cow was gone, your Bahalu left too. He went across the mountains to look for work and left me home with your Mahalu. The last sack of flour sat in the corner. Now it was only half full. After that, it seemed I was hungry all the time, as if there was a little mouse gnawing a hole in my insides. For a while, there was a little bit of butter left, the spicy udi that my mother had saved, but pretty soon there was only bread, and never enough bread, never enough to make me feel like my stomach was full. 
One day I was very hungry, and when I looked at the piece of bread my mother gave me, I knew it wasn't big enough, especially not without a little butter to dip it in. It was hard and just a little bigger than the palm of my hand. Ma, I said, don't you have a little bit of butter for me? But I knew that the butter jar stood empty. I had run my fingers across the ridge bottom of that clay jar and licked them long after any taste of butter was gone. Ali, she said, why don't you go outside and wait for the butter man? If he passes, ask for a little bit of butter to go with your bread. I took my bread and ran outside down the steep hill by our house. I jumped over the stream that had dried to just a trickle and ran to the dirt road. I climbed on a big rock that was a nice and warm by the sun and waited for the butter man. Lots of people came down that road. City Lahu, who was walking back from the fields, a shovel thrown over his shoulder. Thadma and Ito came back from the hills where they were gathering kindling. They had big piles of sticks strapped to their backs. Moha and Lahin, wearing woolen robes and plastic sandals, came up from the spring, carrying sweating clay jugs of water slung over their backs. The big red truck carrying passengers from Bumalni came by, kicking up dust that made me spit and diesel fumes that carried the important air of faraway places. Did the butterman come? Muhalu asked. No, I shook my head. What happened to your bread? She asked. I ate it. Muhalu smiled at me and shook her head. You should have waited for the butterman a little longer. Every day after that, when Mahalu pressed a small piece of bread into the palm of my hand, she said, Run along now, Ali. Run along and wait for the butterman. Every day I ran down the hill to my perch to wait for the butterman. And every day, first I licked, then nibbled on the morsel of bread as I watched the people of the village go by forgetting for a while the gnawing feeling in my stomach. And every day I returned empty-handed. No more bread, no butter man. One day the piece of bread my mother had given me was so small I could close my fingers all the way around it. And it was so hard that when bread was plenty I would have tossed it to the cow to eat. I tried and tried to save it for the butter man, but that day I couldn't lick, I couldn't nibble. Two quick bites and the tiny piece of bread was already gone. There was nothing left, nothing but the familiar creases on the palm of my hand. I was looking down the empty road that disappeared around a corner and out of the valley with a terrible sinking feeling. What if today was the day that the butter man came? He would pass by with a sack bulging and oily with fresh sweet butter, and my hands would be empty with not a speck of bread left to dip into the sweet yellow mounds. Just then, around the corner came a figure, a pack slung over his back, and what looked like a sack in one of his hands. 
I scrambled down from my perch quick as a goat and ran to the road to greet him. It was my father, back from across the mountains. He had a sack of flour thrown over his back. In his other hand, he held a straw basket with some carrots and onions and turnips nestled in the bottom. And best of all, there was a piece of wax paper folded up, which could mean only one thing, meat. At home, it was a celebration. My father placed the fat new flour sack on the floor in the corner while he told us about the farm across the mountains where he had gone to work. I could hardly imagine the place he described, a farm with big, flat fields that stretched into the distance and water that came not from the sky, but out of tin barrels on wheels. While he talked, your Mahalu set the big couscous pot on the metal ring over the fire. She chopped one onion and two carrots, then carefully set the rest of the vegetables aside for another day. That night we had the best couscous you can imagine, and I ate until my belly was as taut as the drums that are played at the ahidus. I shifted in my Baba's laugh to get more comfortable, and I said to him, What about the butter man? Well, Nora, I'm not sure if the butter man ever came by, but I know that the rain clouds did. Even in Tamazirt, it doesn't stay dusty and dry forever. In the months after Bahalu came back, the rain fell, then stopped, then fell again. At first, it just sprinkled, dampening down the dust. Then it rained harder, and the rainwater started to soak in and soften the ground. By the time the next planting season came around, the stream near our house rose high on its banks, and the soil in the fields was a soft, moist brown. That spring, even though I had grown taller, the wheat in the fields grew as high as my head. We had plenty of flour and some left over. Your Bahalu took the extras to the souk and used the money he earned to buy another cow. Then Mahalu started to make butter again, and the butter jar was full. That must have taken a very long time. Longer than the time it takes to prepare a couscous dinner, that's for sure, he said, patting me on the head. Just then, I heard my mama's key in the lock. Home from work, and my baba stood up, and piled the fluffy couscous onto a big round platter and covered it with meat, carrots, turnips, onions, and all kinds of other delicious things. Dinner is served, he said, and placed the splendid dish on the table. But even as we sat around the steaming platter with our spoons held high, we had to wait just one more minute, just long enough to say our blessing. Bismillah, in the name of God. My mother and father and I all say it together, and the wait is over. We raise our spoons and dig in. We eat and eat until we are full, and there is always some left over to save for our lunch tomorrow. 
I love how Ali learns to wait patiently for the butterman. He practices every day by running down the hill from his house to go sit on the warm rock beside the road. He watches alertly for the butterman. This is how Jesus wants us to wait for him now. We are to be alert, to watch for signs and to patiently wait for him to come back to us. Jesus does not want us to distract ourselves by getting busy doing other things, because if we do, we might miss him. One of the ways we stay alert is through prayer. Another way is by being kind to other people. And another way is by giving thanks to God whenever we can. When we do these things, we stay focused on God, watching for the moment when Jesus comes back. By doing these things, we learn to watch, just like Ali. Although the butterman never comes, Ali is there the very moment when his father crosses over the hill, returning home from a faraway place. It is a joyful surprise when he sees his father, one he is ready for after many days of watching and alert waiting, as the people and the trucks busily pass all around him. This is what Jesus wants us to do, to watch, to wait, to be alert, as we hold on to the promise that one day, who knows when, he will cross over the hill, returning home to surprise us, and we will celebrate in the name of God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, this Advent, help us to be alert and watchful. Come, Lord Jesus, come at Christmas. Come at the end of time. Come into our hearts. Amen. Sunday Stories is a podcast presentation of Christ Episcopal Church North Hills in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 